Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's webinar, Insights in Cancer Genomics via Cosmic V98. I'd like to now welcome our speaker, Leonie Hodges, Scientific Communications Officer for Cosmic Welcome Sanger Institute. Leonie, welcome. You may now begin your presentation. Hi, and welcome to our webinar, Insights into Cancer Genomics via Cosmic V98. My name's Leonie, and I'm the Scientific Communications Officer for Cosmic, and I'll be speaking today. So first off, of course, I'm going to give a short introduction to Cosmic, then I'll look into our curation, what our focus was for V98, our cancer gene census, and our hallmarks annotations. Then we'll have a look at our new download files, and finally end the session with a Q&A. So first up, what is Cosmic? Cosmic is an associate research program at the Wellcome Center Institute. We advance cancer breakthroughs with gold standard genomic data and with the world's largest, most comprehensive, expert curated resource for exploring the impact of somatic mutations in human cancers. And we do this through the high quality data that we've collated over 19 years, that we've then streamlined, standardized, and made easy to understand via tools that help you analyze and take action. So to understand why all of this is necessary, we need to go all the way back to 1898, when the first cancer case was cured exclusively by radiation. From here, it took over 40 years for us to see our next big advancement in cancer research with chemotherapy in 1943. But it seems through the 1900s that advancements started coming quicker and quicker and quicker. And by the time we've reached 1990, we're trying to sequence the first human genome. And it takes us 13 years to complete this project. 10 years later, and we're already looking at sequencing 100,000 human genomes. And only 10 years after that, Illumina produces the Novasek X series, which can produce 20,000 genomes a year. And all of these advancements are reflected in the number of publications that are coming out. There were over 120,000 publications in PubMed in 2022. And today in Cosmic, we've recorded over 6,800 distinct types of human cancer. And that's where we come in. You can see just how much the Cosmic database has grown since 2004. Somewhere is needed for this data to be expertly curated and standardized to make sure this data isn't effectively dead. And how do we do this? At first, this can seem quite simple that we identify, extract, standardize, and present the data in easily accessible formats like our Cosmic 3D tool or our hallmarks annotations. But what we take particular pride in in Cosmic is this dual stream system that we have for bringing in this data. First off, we have our genomic streams, which are semi-automated, and these ensure that we're bringing in the broad genomic data. And secondly, and possibly more importantly, we have our detailed genic analyses. This is our manual curation, and it's what we're particularly proud of. Our quality control rejects around 30% of the papers that come in. And this makes sure that we're only taking in the highest quality deep genic data into our database. Once we have all of this, we standardize the data and eventually it will make its way out to Cosmic Database tools and download files. So now we have a little bit about Cosmic, we're going to have a look at our latest curation focus, rare skin tumors. We're going to look at our newly manually fully curated gene, MUX6, the continuous updates to known cancer genes, our rare skin cancer focus, new tumor types and histologies, and a V99 sneak peek. So on to MUX6. This has been on our potential cancer gene list since 2015 for gastric cancer. And it's part of the Mucin family of genes, which are large 
glycoproteins that create mucus that line the gastric epithelium, but are also secreted by other epithelial tissues too. We realised that this was quite prominently mutated in cyanonasal carcinoma when we were doing our head and neck curation focus, but it wasn't a census gene yet. But we very quickly realised that we couldn't curate particularly the Schneiderian low-grade capillary carcinoma without curating this gene. So we asked our census curator to include it in our census. Currently, we're still learning about this, team, this gene, and we don't know whether it's an oncogene or a tumor suppressor gene. And this is one reason that we wanted to keep track of it. And it's this emerging body of data that solidified it into tier two of our census. We've curated at least nine publications that I know of, but of course, with the curation of genome-wide screens, there will be other papers that contain information on this gene too. Currently, this data isn't available in the format of our cancer gene census, but you can see the expert curated gene. So specifically, this release releases 33 samples with exosequencing sequencing across all the genes. You can see that the data comes from breast tumours, liver tumours, heart and kidney tumours. And from the numbers, you can see this is not an insignificant cancer gene, and we will be keeping track of this alongside other genes. But speaking of keeping track of genes, how exactly do we do that? The continuous updates to our previously known cancer genes are all based around our gene-based workflow. As we know, practically every human gene has somatic mutations. And in our cancer gene census, we give you a list of 736 genes that we currently have high confidence in have a role in cancer. And our curators particularly focus on our tier one genes of which there are 263. We have weekly literature alerts running for these 263 genes because there are vast literature out there and we want to make sure that we're keeping an eye out for those keywords in the gene abstracts. Publications with good quality data focusing on the novel tumour types, variants, treatments, ethnicities, etc. are prioritised and curated into our database. But this isn't our only work-based flow that we have, workflow-based. Our second one is our tumour-based workflow. So, of course, as a company, we aim to make an impact on researchers and patients alike. But if we spread ourselves too thinly over the vast range of unique cancers that I've already mentioned, we could minimise the potential of our database. And one solution to this is that we often go to our rare cancer list and select one of them that doesn't have a good coverage yet. In an ideal world, of course, everything would be represented evenly. But in the meantime, we have to do everything we can to make sure that we're making an impact with our current capacity. So we check that this rare cancer has good sequencing data and we go ahead and curate. So you can see that we particularly went after these tumour types with this rare skin cancer focus. Um, and they're particularly underrepresented, they're particularly underrepresented in the scientific literature especially in comparison to the likes of basal cell carcinoma, squamous cell carcinoma and melanoma that are more common in the general population. So most of the numbers on this slide are actual sample numbers with the exception of the extra mammary Paget's disease um, because this is spread across many places, the breast, the skin, the bone. Um, the data mainly came from two papers, but of course it may have been included in other papers as well. So that too in brackets is representing the data we had specifically on that disease. Um, the highest representation, as you can see, is quite clearly they are nexal tumours. 
Um, these are the tumours of their hair follicles, sweat glands and the likes. Um, and this covered 13 case studies, 16 research papers, seven genome-wide screens, over 25,000 new mutations and over 700 new samples. And while it appears that we just went after five tumour types, there was also a huge number of sub-tumour types that we added and quite a lot of new tumour types as well. We've mapped it all to the NCI thesaurus, the tumour type ontology that is, so that we are interoperable with the external world. So how would you find these samples on the COSMIC website? One way to do this is to go through our cancer browser. You start off by selecting your tissue, which of course will be skin, and then one of the sub-tissues, one of the histologies, and the sub-histology. Now, of course, there is a great number of sub-histologies, and if you choose one, in this case, we've chosen malignal adnexal tumors, here's an example of what data you might get. So here is the top 20 mutated genes of this tumor type, and those long red bars you can see, they're all the tested samples, and the short blue bars are the mutated samples from those tested ones. This feature, our cancer browser, covers the first two layers of the primary histology and subhistology. And in order to get the rest of the data, you'd have to go to our download files. So of course, as you could see from what we were just looking at, most can be found under skin, include all, but there are a couple of sections. So for example, dermatofibrosarcoma protuberans is under soft tissue, fibrous tissue, and uncertain origin and Kaposi sarcoma is under soft tissue and blood vessel. This may not be a comprehensive list of all the tumour types included in these papers, but they will all be findable through the Cosmic Cancer Browser. So you can pause to read this if you wish, but we just wanted to put into perspective just how many new tumour types there were by providing this list. Some of them may look new for Cosmic, some of them may just have newness within them but this list looks like it was selected based off the novel NCIT coding rather than the new histologies. And I want to put all of this curation in context as well, because this is not the only factor of cancer research and the landscape of this environment that interests us. Data has become very big, and in order for us to curate it in any reasonable time, it needs to come in an organized and standardized format, which it doesn't at the moment. We're rejecting around 30% and up to 40% of publications because we simply cannot curate them. Even when we contact authors, if they get back to us, they're not always able to give us the data because they don't have a bioinformatician currently working with them. And standard biologists can't handle this complex volume of data. We're investing time in publication and genomic data standards. This year already, we've been to multiple conferences where we've taken posters for cosmic data and we've focused our conversation on data standards. Not only this, but we're working with a range of consortia as well. It's a worldwide problem, but we need to fix it. Additionally to this, we're using a new input system to increase our efficiency so we can get the data to you ASAP. More and more data is coming in big format. So we're working with authors already in order to get the data in good format so that we can use it. We often see that metadata is not linked to the sample, the variant data, and often it's even left out. So we're planning on bringing in new data types as well. And this is all linked to our new input system. We are evaluating all of our data now and we have a data analyst hired. 
So we're looking at all of the data, the gaps in it, and trying to get an idea of the fairness of our data and any potential biases. So let's take a quick peek into the future. We're already curating for Cosmic V99, and in fact, we're coming to the end of this curation process. And you should see that data in November or December of 2023. In this release, we're going to be focusing on cancer genes rather than new tumor types, and we will be continuing to update our currently known cancer genes. We're also planning content for our version 100, which you'll see next year, which is very exciting to everyone. And we're just going to move on a little bit now to our new cancer gene census genes and our hallmarks annotations. So in this update, we had two new CGC genes approved, and we're going to start with NTRK2. So this is a neurotrophin receptor tyrosine kinase that's involved in peripheral CNS development and maturation. It has, somatic it has somatic alterations and mainly in the format of in-frame fusions with multiple different genes in glioma, head and neck squamous cell carcinoma and lung adenocarcinoma. There is functional evidence that proves it has a role in cancer in the forms of two fusions, the, QKR, the QKI NTRK2 and SPEC C1L NTRK2. Both are found in astrocytomas and in various models have been proven they have influence in cancer development. Our second gene has been added to tier two, and this is ASPM. It has a little bit less evidence for its role in cancer, hence on why it's been placed into tier two, and it has somatic mutations, but these are mainly amplifications that are associated with increased expression of the gene in metastatic disease in breast carcinoma and cutaneous melanoma. It also has germline alterations in a nevoid basal cell carcinoma syndrome, and there is functional evidence in a knockdown system in osteosarcoma and in another model in cervical carcinoma. Additionally, we've also managed to increase our hallmark annotation coverage. But what exactly are these an annotations and why should users care about them? So, the hallmarks annotations summarise the effect of the CGC tier 1 genes on processes relevant to cancer development and progression, the role of the gene in cancer, how it is affected by somatic and germline alteration, and how it affects biological processes relevant to cancer. We don't expect to extend these annotations to tier 2 yet, but hopefully in the future if there's enough evidence we can start doing that. So as I said, we've increased the coverage of these hallmark annotations. And in particular, we have eight new annotations for tier one genes. And four of them also have pathogenic germline mutations. So we're now at a point where 60% of our tier one genes have hallmark annotations. And we have an extremely skilled curator whose primary goal it is to increase the coverage. And the secondary goal is to increase the number of new cancer genes. So there will be more of them to come. So we're going to move along now and take a look at our brand new download files, which everyone here at Cosmic is very excited about. These are currently in their beta form and we've made quite a few changes. Something to consider is that we have actually generated these using a separate database, which is why things may not be quite exactly the same. But we put so much work into making sure that these were based on the feedback that we got from our users and we implemented this feedback the best that we could. So first things first, we repackaged the files to make things more consistent. We use new naming conventions that all of the files now follow. So you can see here, the package for each file now is a tar file, and it follows the naming convention of the project name, so say Cosmic or the Cell Lines project. And then you've got the format because we have different files with the same names, but in different formats. And then you've got the release number and the assembly. So 
Already, this is so much clearer. If you have multiple versions of Cosmic on your laptop, you can be sure that you're using the right one. Inside this new archive, you've now got two files, the actual download file, which is still a TSV zipped file, but we've also included a new README file for each one to make things clearer. If you look at the download files, you can look at the README at the same time and know exactly what columns and data you're working with. So just to show you the differences in new and old file names, you can see here the breakdown of the Cosmic 98 and the Cell Lines project. You can see that we've made things a bit clearer in the project name, such as new file names actually saying Cell Lines project rather than Cosmic CLP, making sure things are much clearer and actually match the website. Plus now you can see that we've got different file names for the different assemblies and for the different release versions. Another important thing is that the names of files are now also in sync with the Cosmic and Cell Line files. So the, essentially they both match. If you're looking at the Cosmic files, if you're looking at the Cell Line files, they're both following the same naming convention. But these aren't the only files we've been working on. We've also renamed the CMC and the actionability data just to make sure they're in line. So these files themselves haven't changed, it is just the name. So you can see here the CMC export has been renamed to Cancer Mutation Census or Data. And then again, the release version and the assembly and the same for the actionability data too. So you may not be able to quite read this, but it was more just to draw attention to the fact that we have improved our readme file. You can see here that it includes the description of all the columns the layout is similar to our old one, but just more refined. And you also have the name of the file actually inside it, which the old one didn't. But the most important thing about these README files is that they're public and they're actually accessible, which is a huge thing that people have been asking us for. And we're really excited to implement in this new update. And once again, the README files naming conventions, we've made sure that they're extremely understandable. It follows the name of the download files that you are working with. So another thing that's important is that we've changed the columns actually within the data. And you can see here just how many columns we used to have. We've prioritized and reduced the number of columns in the files. And we did this because we wanted to reduce the complexity and just make things easier. So another bit of renaming we've done is that we've added new IDs, and these are identical to what's in the database. And it means that you can connect the tables and the database together. So say you have this classification start. So another bit of renaming we've done is that we've introduced these new IDs that are identical to what we have in the database. And it allows you to connect the tables that are in the download files to the website. So say you have this classification file, in the middle, you can see you've got a cosmic phenotype ID. It's unique to that one ID, but it relates to all of the different files. Of course, if you're not interested in the classification, that's fine. You don't have to use the ID, but if you're interested, it's there and it really increases the interoperability of these files. And we've done that for all the types of data that we're working with. You can see we've got the phenotype ID, the gene ID, sample ID and structural ID here. So there's a lot of information in that gene file particular that was not available in the old download, which now you can get by connecting two files together by using one singular ID. For example, with the sample file, we now have cos ID. And again, this ID is actually a variable on the website too. So now it makes things a lot easier. If you find a sample ID in the downloads, you can input it on the website and get more information. 
So that's all the identifiers that can be connected right now. Um, but there's also things like PubMed IDs as well that can be connected, which of course is bringing together external resources too. So um, I'm not necessarily going to read through this, but here is a full list of identifiers. And I just kind of wanted to draw attention to you, the little changes that you can see in things like the Cosmic Paper IDs and Cosmic Fusion IDs. So let's have a look at some of the more specific data changes and the improvements that we've made. So in the Cosmic Fusion export file for the negative data and also the positive data without coordinates, you didn't used to have any five prime and three prime gene symbol or transcript accession available. The only way to get this was a bit of a workaround for the users and overall just wasn't practical. So we've added this data into the file now to make that a much easier process for you. Um, On to Cosmic Commission Export. This is one of our biggest and most downloaded files from Cosmic. We split it in two. You can reconstruct it as shown below if you prefer. Um, but like we said, it's is such a big file. This just allows people to be a little bit more specific about what they're looking for. And then there's the mutation tracking file, which allows you to connect the genomic mutation ID on the website with the legacy IDs. Now all the IDs are included to make things clearer. Plus the non-coding IDs are there too. Of course, we have the all cosmic gene file on here as well, which is a fast AVE file. And the improvement that we've made here is in the infrastructure. We've made sure that it's up to date and it's a much better process. And more data improvements we've made in the non-coding variant VCF file, we've also included the complex compound substitution, which we're missing. So this is another thing that by investigating each file and listening to the feedback, we got the opportunity to be super detail oriented and tackle things that perhaps were not quite right beforehand. So on to our next one, we've also got the Cosmic HGNC which has been renamed to Cosmic Gene, just to match what's inside, make more sense, fit with this naming convention that we're now using. Of course, we have the Cosmic Coding Mutation VCF, which has been renamed and split into two files. Again, to mimic what we have the TSV files to ensure consistency between the TSV and the VCF files. The two files are the Genome Screen Mutants and the Target Screen Mutants. And once again, we've made sure the naming is consistent. So there were some cases where we had some samples that were in both files, and in these cases, we've added everything to the genome screen just to avoid duplication and, again, save a bit of space. So to summarise all of this, we've renamed all of the columns, mainly removing all of the spaces and special characters so that are now matching our database. Again, I mentioned it before, but the cell line project files, they now match the cosmic files. So we've avoided using abbreviations such as CLP, make everything far more consistent. And we've retired some columns as well that were either not meaningful or just had no data just to tidy things up a bit, essentially. Now, because it is a beta version, there is, of course, data missing, but we are working on this and it will be added back in in phase two. So because we are in our beta version currently, we are unfortunately missing a little bit of data, but that is the aim of releasing this now, is for us to get feedback. So because we are in our beta version currently, not everything is quite there yet, but there will be a phase two of development where we add in the data that is missing. So of course, we are already aware of some pieces that are missing, and there'll be things that are reported by users as well. And that's the main aim of releasing now. We want your feedback, and we want to know exactly what works, what doesn't work, and what's missing from these files.
So again, we don't need to quite read through all of this, but this is just a little bit, this is everything that we're currently aware is missing. So in the sample file, it's things such as age, ethnicity, environmental variables, all extremely important information, but it's just what's currently missing at the moment. Like I say, we're viewing these new download files as a work in progress. We talk so much about wanting our data to be more and more fair. And this is a big part of it because we're really trying to target that interoperability. So thank you for listening to our webinar today. And any questions? All right. Well, thank you so much, Leonie, for your time today and your important research. That was such an informative presentation. Thank you so much. We will now start the live Q&A portion of the webinar. So if you have a question that you'd like to ask, please do so now. Just click on the ask a question box located on the far left of your screen and we'll answer as many of your questions as we have time for. So we'll go ahead and get started here. Leonie, our first question is in regards to um, that slide right before your conclusion of your presentation here in regards to the missing data. Um, is there um, you know, some more information you can provide for us? We have a few questions regarding when um, that missing data will be added and what the users can do about that missing data. So if you could elaborate on that a little bit, that would be great. Yeah, of course. We can understand why people would be um, concerned about that, of course. Um, the whole point of us being in the beta stage with these files at the minute is because we have planned for these changes to be made and for them not to be quite perfect straight away. So we're on track at the moment to have the missing data added in on our next release, which um, I think I mentioned in the webinar should be coming around November or December of this year. Um, but in time being, we are still supporting both download file types. So we have the original download files and the new ones, and we will be supporting that for the next update as well. So whilst that data isn't in the brand new download files currently, it's still very much accessible on the Cosmic website. It's just in the old download files. Wonderful, thank you. And I did see another question pop in in regards to um, the resources that are on the um, page there as well. Looks like some of those links aren't working. So I do want to um, just let our audience know that for immediate assistance right now, um, you can find those links on the microsite where you had joined into the webinar today, but those will be adjusted in just a moment. So we'll just have you um, informed as soon as those are available to you from this side of the platform there. So thank you. All right. Well, Leonie, you um, or thank you again so much for your time today. Um, it looks like that's actually all the time that we have. So we're going to go ahead and wrap up here um, and conclude our session today for the sake of time. But I do want to thank you again for your time today and your important research. And before we go, I'd like to thank the audience for joining us today and for their interesting questions. Questions we did not have time for today and those submitted during the on-demand period will be addressed by our speaker via the contact information you provided at the time of registration. So until next time, take care, everyone. Goodbye. Thank you.